Good evening and welcome to this edition of the Legacy of Queens for Sunday, December 31st, 2023. Happy New Year's Eve and a very safe next year in 2024 as this is our final episode of 2023 and the 93rd episode is upon us. I'm your host Jason DiCanio and this is a very special episode because Not only does it mark the end of 2023 and the 93rd episode, but we pick up next weekend on our first show of 2024, looking at some more great, fantastic legacies of Queens. Tonight on our program, we have a very special tribute to a man who is an American actor. He was the son of Henry Fonda, young brother of Jane Fonda, and father of Bridget Fonda. He was a prominent figure in the counterculture of the 1960s, and he was nominated for the Academy Award for Best Original Screenplay for Easy Rider in 1969, and the Academy Award for Best Actor for Uli's Gold in 1997. For the latter, he won the Golden Globe Award for Best Actor, Motion Picture Drama, and also won the Golden Globe Award for Best Supporting Actor, Series, Miniseries, or Television Film for The Passion of Anne Rand in 1999. Who are we talking about? The Fonda family had this gentleman who passed away in 2019, 2019 at the age of 79, born on February 23rd, 1940 from New York City, Peter Henry Fonda. We're looking at him next on the Legacy of Queens. It's Sunday night here at the Legacy of Queens from the WJDC Studios in beautiful Oviedo, Florida. Happy New Year to all of you. This is our final show of 2023, and I'm your host, Jason Icanio, thanking you for a fantastic year. We are still in Season 4, and we're doing our fantastic, successful shows on Spotify for you, as well as the YouTube channel that has now 80 subscribers If you have not yet subscribed to the YouTube channel, we'll leave a link down below in the description. You can follow us there with all the back episodes that go all the way back to the first episode some four years ago. Now, for this 93rd episode, we're going to be looking at Peter Henry Fonda, the son of Henry Fonda and the younger brother of Jane Fonda. You know the Fonda family? The ones that do a lot of things? Yes. Well... Peter Fonda, he was born by cesarean section on February 23, 1940 at Leroy Hospital in New York City, the only son of actor Henry Fonda and socialite Francis Ford Seymour, his older sister's actress Jane Fonda. He and Jane had a half-sister, Frances de Villers Brokaw, from 1931 to 2008, from their mother's first marriage. 
Their mother committed suicide at a mental hospital when Peter, her youngest, was 10. He did not discover the circumstances or location of her death until he was 15. One month prior to his 11th birthday, he accidentally shot himself in the abdomen and nearly died. He went to the Indian Hill Station of Nanatal and stayed for a few months for recovery. Years later, he referred to this incident while with John Lennon and George Harrison while taking LSD. He said, I know what it's like to be dead. This inspired the Beatles song, She Said, She Said. Peter attended the Fay School in Southboro, Massachusetts, and was a member of the class of 1954. He then matriculated in Westminster School, a Connecticut boarding school in Simsbury, where he graduated in 1958. Once he graduated, Fonda studied acting in Omaha, Nebraska, his father's hometown. And while attending the University of Nebraska-Omaha, Fonda joined the Omaha County Playhouse. Upon his return to New York, Fonda joined the Cecil Wood Theater in 1960. Afterwards, he found work on Broadway and gained notice in Blood, Sweat, and Stanley Poole, written by James and William Goldman, which ran for 84 performances in 1961. He began guest-starring on television shows like Naked City, The New Breed, Wagon Train, and The Defenders. His first film came when producer Ross Hunter was looking for a new male actor to romance Sandra D in Tammy and the Doctor in 1963. He was cast in the role in what was a minor hit. He followed this with a support part in The Victors in 63, a bleak look at American soldiers in World War II directed by Carl Foreman, and his performance won him a Golden Globe Award for Most Promising Newcomer. He continued to work in television, guest starring in Channing, Arrest and Trial, The Alfred Hitchcock Hour, and 12 O'Clock High. He also tested for the role of John F. Kennedy in PT-109. He impressed Robert Rawson, who cast him in what would be Rawson's last movie, Lilth, 1964, alongside Warren Beatty, Gene Seberg, and Gene Hackman. Fonda's performance was well-reviewed. And shortly before dying, Rawson signed him to a seven-film contract, which was to start with an adaptation of Bang the Drum Slowly. Fonda graduated to a starring role in The Young Lovers in 1964, about out-of-wedlock pregnancy and the sole directorial effort of Samuel Goodwin Jr. By the mid-1960s, Fonda was not a conventional leading man in Hollywood. As Playboy magazine reported, Fonda had established a solid reputation as a dropout. He had become outwardly nonconformist and grew his hair long and took LSD regularly, alienating the establishment film industry. Desirable acting work became scarce. Through his friendships with members of the band, The Birds, Fonda visited the Beatles in their rented house in Benedict Canyon in Los Angeles in August of 1965. And while John Lennon, Ringo Starr, George Harrison, and Fonda were under the influence of LSD, Lennon heard Fonda say, I know what it's like to be dead. Lennon used the phrase in the lyrics for his song, She Said, She Said, which was included on their 1966 album, Revolver. In August of 1966, Fonda was charged with possession of marijuana and was later acquitted on the, in December of that year. In November of 66, Fonda was arrested in the Sunset Strip riot, which the police ended forcefully. The band Buffalo Springfield protested the department's handling of the incident in their song For What It's Worth, and Fonda sang some and in 1967 recorded November Night, 
a 45 RPM single written by Graham Parsons for the Chisa label, backed with Catch the Wind by Donovan and produced by Hugh Masekla. Fonda's first countercultural-oriented film role was as a biker in Roger Corman's B-movie The Wild Angels. He was originally... Uh, to support George Chakris, but graduated to the lead when Chakris revealed he could not ride a motorcycle. In the film, Fonda delivered a eulogy at a fallen angel's funeral service, and the movie was a big hit at the box office, screened at the Venice Film Festival, launched the biker movie genre, and established Peter Fonda as a movie name. Fonda made a television pilot, High Noon, The Clock Strikes Noon Again, filmed in December 1965. It was based on the film High Noon in 1952, starring Gary Cooper, with Fonda in the Cooper role. However, it did not become a series. Fonda next played the male lead in Corman's film The Trip in 67, a take on the experience and consequences of consuming LSD, which was written by Jack Nicholson. His co-stars included Susan Strasberg, Bruce Dern, and Dennis Hopper. The movie was a hit, and Fonda then traveled to France to appear in the Portamento horror movie Spirits of the Dead, 1968. His segment co-starred his sister Jane and was directed by her then-husband, Roger Vadim. For American television, he appeared in the movie Certain Honorable Men in 68, alongside Van Heflin, written by Rod Serling. Fonda produced, co-wrote, and starred in Easy Rider, directed by Dennis Hopper. An Easy Rider is about a two long-haired bikers traveling through the southwestern and southern United States where they encounter intolerance and violence. Fonda played Wyatt, a charismatic, laconic man whose motorcycle jacket bore a large American flag across the back. Dennis Hopper played the garrulous Billy. Jack Nicholson played George Hansen, an alcoholic civil rights lawyer who rides along with them. Fonda co-wrote the screenplay with Terry Southern and Hopper. He tried to secure financing from Roger Corman and American International Pictures, with whom he made The Wild Angels and The Trip, but they were reluctant to finance a film directed by Hopper. They succeeded getting money from Columbia Pictures, Hopper filmed the cross-country road trip, depicted almost entirely on location. Fonda had secured funding of around 360000 largely based on the fact he knew that it was the budget Roger Corman needed to make The Wild Angels. The guitarist and composer Robbie Robertson, of the band, was so moved by an advanced screening that he approached Fonda and tried to convince him to let him write a complete score. And even though the film was nearly due for wide release... Fonda declined the offer, instead using Steppenwolf's Born to be Wild, Bob Dylan's It's Alright Ma, I'm Only Bleeding, sung by the birds, Roger McGuinn. And Robertson's own composition, The Weight, performed by the band, among many other tracks. The film was released to international success. Jack Nicholson was nominated for a Best Supporting Actor Oscar. Fonda, Hopper, and Southern were nominated for the Academy Award for Best Original Screenplay, and the film grossed over $40 million. After the success of Easy Rider, both Hopper and Fonda were sought for film projects. Hopper directed the film The Last Movie in 1971, in which Fonda co-starred along with singer Michelle Phillips of The Mamas and the Papas. Fonda directed and starred in the Western film The Hired Hand in 71. 
He took the lead role in a cast that also featured Warren Oates, Verna Bloom, and Beat Generation poet Michael McClure. The film received mixed reviews and failed commercially upon its initial release, but many years later in 2001, a fully restored version was shown at various film festivals and was re-released by the Sundance Channel on DVD that same year in two separate editions. Fonda later directed the science fiction film Idaho Transfer in 73, and he did not appear in the film, and the film received mixed reviews upon its limited release. Around the same time, he co-starred with Lindsay Wagner in Two People, also in 73, for director Robert Wise, in which he portrayed a Vietnam War deserter. He starred alongside Susan George and longtime friend and frequent co-star Adam Rourke in the film Dirty Mary, Crazy Larry in 74, a film about two NASCAR hopefuls who ex execute a supermarket heist to finance their jump into big-time auto racing. The film was a box office hit that year, and it led to Fonda's making a series of action movies. Open Season in 74 with William Holden, Race with the Devil in 75, Fleeing Devil Worshippers with Warren Oates, another hit, 92 in the Shade in 75, again with Oates for writer-director Thomas McQuain, Killer Force in 76 for director Val Guest, Future World, 76, a sequel to the Western World, 73, financed by AIP. Fighting Mad, 1976, a reuniting with Roger Corman, directed by Jonathan Demme. Outlaw Blues in 77 was a drama, with Fonda playing a musical or musician opposite Susan St. James. After some more action with High Ballin' in 78, Fonda returned to directing with the controversial drama Wanda Nevada in 79 wherein the 39-year-old Fonda starred as the love interest of the then 13-year-old Brooke Shields. His father, Henry Fonda, made a brief appearance as well, and is the only film in which they performed together. Fonda was top-billed in The Hostage Tower in 1980, a television movie based on a story by Alistair MacLean. Fonda appeared in the hit film The Cannonball Run in 81 as the chief biker, and that was a tongue-in-cheek nod to his earlier motorcycle films, and the film was a huge box office success that year with a large ensemble cast. He also played a charismatic cult leader in Split Image in 1982, a film that also starred James Woods, Karen Allen, and Brian Dennehy. Despite the strong cast and positive reviews, the film failed to land to find an audience. Fonda later appeared in a series of films in the 80s of varying genres, Deja Vu, My Friend, 1983, Shot in Japan, Dance of the Dwarfs in 83, Peppermint Peace, Shot in Germany, Spasms, a Canadian horror film with Oliver Reed, and A Reason to Live in 1985, a TV movie, Certain Fury in 85 with Tainum O'Neill, Mercenary Fighters in 88, Hawkins Breed in 88, a Western, Sound 1988 with uh, Glee in 1989 with Liv Ullman and The Rose Garden in 1989. In the early 90s, he also contributed to the script of Enemy in 1990, in which he starred. He had the lead in Family Express in 91 and South Beach in 93, but then drifted into supporting roles in many independent films. Deadfall in 93, directed by Christopher Coppola. Bodies Rest in Motion in 93, starring his daughter Bridget. Molly and Gina in 94, with Francis Fisher and Natasha Gregson. Love in a 45, 1994, with Renee Zellweger, Naja, 1994, produced by David Lynch, and he had a good supporting role in Escape from L.A. in 96 
from John Carpenter and was in Don't Look Back in 1996. He also guest starred on In the Heat of the Night. And after years of films of varying success, he received high-profile critical recognition and universal praise for his performance in Yulee's Gold, 1997. He portrayed a tactic-turned-North Florida beekeeper and Vietnam veteran who tries to save his son and granddaughter from a life of drug abuse. For his performance, he was nominated for the Academy Award for Best Actor. He had the lead in Painted Hero in 1997, and in 98, he starred in the TV movie The Tempest, based in part on William Shakespeare's play of the same name. It was directed by Jack Bender and starred Fonda, John Glover, Harold Perrineau, and Catherine Hegel. He was in The Passion of Anne Rand, 1998, then appeared in the crime film The Limey, 1990, as Terry Valentine, an aging rock music producer who accidentally kills his younger girlfriend. The film was directed by Steven Soderbergh. Fonda wrote an autobiography, Don't Tell Dad, in 1998. And in the 90s, Fonda appeared in the advertisement for American Express. His work in the 2000s included parts in South of Heaven, West of Hell, 2000, Second Skin in 2000, Thomas and the Magic Railroad, Wooly Boys, The Laramie Project, The Maldonado Miracle, Capital City, The Heart is Deceitful Above All Things, A Thief in Time, Back When We Were Grown-Ups, Supernova, and El Cobrador in God We Trust rounds it out in 2006. And he was inducted into the AMA Motorcycle Hall of Fame in 2002. In 04, he provided the voice of aging hippie weed grower The Truth in Grand Theft Auto, San Andreas, which was one of the best-selling video games of all time. In an 07 interview, Fonda said that riding motorcycles helped him to focus, stating... I ride an MV Augusta. This is an Italian racing motorcycle. It forces focus. You have to be focused, and in my life, in this business, focus is hard to find sometimes. So I need to force focus, and that's great. The bike takes you on a free road. There's no fences on the roads I ride, and I don't ride freeways. That's as much as I can tell you, because there are more lands waiting for this little Christian boy. That's not true. I'm an atheist, but what the heck. <laughs> Fonda made a return to the big screen as the bounty hunter Byron McElroy in 310 to Yuma in 07, a remake of the 1957 Western. He appeared with Christian Bale and Russell Crowe, and the film received two Academy Award nominations and positive reviews from critics. He also appeared in the last scenes of the biker comedy Wild Hogs as Damian Blade, founder of the biker gang Del Fuegos, and father of Jack, played by Ray Liotta. Fonda also portrayed... Mephistopheles, one of the two main villains in the film Ghost Rider in 07, and although he wanted to play the character in the sequel, he was replaced by Syrian Hins. He appeared in Journey to the Center of the Earth in 08, Japan in 2008, and The Perfect Age of Rock and Roll in 09, and as the Roman, the main villain in the Boondock Saints 2, All Saints Day, also in 2009, the sequel to Boondock Saints or the Boondock Saints, and Fonda also appeared on the television series Californication. Fonda's later appearances included American Bandits, Frank and Jesse James for Fred Olin Ray, The Trouble with Bliss, episodes of CSI NY, Smitty, Haridum, As Cool as I Am, Copperhead, The Ultimate Life, The Harvest, HR, House of Bodies, Jesse James Lawman, The Runner with Nicolas Cage, The Ballad of Lefty Brown, The Most Hated Woman in America, Borderland, You Can't Say No, and Boundaries with Christopher Plummer. 
He was an executive producer of the documentary The Big Fix in 2012. His final portrayal was in the Vietnam War movie The Last Full Measure, whose director Todd Robinson has recounted that Peter Fonda was able to view that film in its entirety before his death and got emotional upon viewing it. In 2000, a Golden Palm star on the Palm Springs, California Walk of Stars was dedicated to him. He was married three times, married his first wife, Susan Brewer, in 61. Together, they had two children, Bridget and Justin. They divorced in 74 after 13 years of marriage. He married his second wife, Portia, Portia Rebecca, Rebecca Crockett, in 75. The marriage lasted for 36 years until they divorced in 2011. And Fonda married his third wife, Margaret D. Volgari, in 2011. The marriage lasted for eight years until Fonda's death in 2019. In 2011, Fonda and Tim Robbins produced The Big Fix, a documentary that examined the role of BP in the Deepwater Horizon oil spill and its effects on the Gulf of Mexico. At a press conference at the Keynes Film Festival, Fonda stated that he had written to President Barack Obama about the spill and attacked him as a fucking traitor for allowing foreign bots on our soil telling our military in this case, the Coast Guard, what they can do and could not do, and telling us, the citizens of the United States, what we could or could not do. In June of 2018, Fonda went on Twitter to criticize President Donald Trump's administration's enforcement of U.S. immigration policy by Jeff Sessions for separating children from their parents at the Mexican border, writing that we should rip Baron Trump from the arms of First Lady Melania Trump and put him in a cage with pedophiles. He also suggested that Americans should seek out names of U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement agents in order to protest outside of their homes and the schools of their children. The Secret Service opened an investigation based on a report from the Trump family. Huckabee's daughter, White House Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders, was also the object of Fonda's tweets in which he suggested that maybe we should take her, Sanders' Sanders's children, away. In another later deleted tweet, Fonda targeted United States Department of Homeland Security Secretary Christian Nielsen by calling her a vulgar name and calling for Nielsen to be put in a cage and poked at by passerby. Fonda stated that he deleted his tweet regarding Baron Trump, saying that he immediately regretted it and sincerely apologized to the family for what I said and any hurt my words have caused. Backlash to Fonda's tweets resulted in a call for a boycott of his newest film, Boundaries, and other Sony projects. Sony Pictures released Boundaries as planned on June 22nd of 2018, but released a statement stating that Fonda's comments are abhorrent, reckless, and dangerous, and we condemn them completely. Fonda died from respiratory failure caused by lung cancer at his home in Los Angeles on August 16th, 2019, at the age of 79. Following his death, his older sister Jane Fonda made the following statement. I am very sad. He was my sweethearted baby younger brother, the talker of the family. I have had beautiful alone time with him these last days. He went out laughing. And there you have it, friends. The way to go out and do what you got to do. You did it. Peter Fonda, thank you for your fantastic time in stage and screen. And of course... What can you say? A good run comes to an end at the age of 79 for Peter Henry Fonda. Jane Fonda is still alive to this day and still doing her thing. Well, 
That'll wrap it up for this edition of episode 93 of The Legacy of Queens. And next week on the program, we're going to be looking at our first show of 2024 with a gentleman who is an American actor, comedian, and filmmaker. He is the son of the comedians and actors Jerry Stiller and Ann Mara. And he was a member of a group of comedic actors colloquially, colloquially known as the Frat Pack. His films have grossed more than $2.6 billion in Canada and the United States, with an average of $79 million per film. And throughout his career, he has received various awards and honors, including an Emmy, multiple MTV awards, a Britannia Award, and a Teen Choice Award. He's still alive today at the age of 58, born, of course, in New York City, and raised on the Upper West Side. We did his father before Jerry Stiller. Now we do the son next week on our first show of 2024. We'll look at Benjamin Edward Miera Stiller next week on episode 94 of The Legacy of Queens. I'm Jason Icanio, and thanking you for a fantastic year, 2023. It was a great half. So far, we've gone through the half of season four already, and we're ready for the next... <laughs> Six months of our of our program, ready to go and give you some more great legacies here as we go along in 2024, and we get to episode 100. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, we have our YouTube channel, which is doing fantastic, by the way, over 8,500 views and going up to 9,000 soon. We have over 80 subscribers, and of course, the archives of season three are still there. And doing fantastic. We've just put up uh, our latest video of uh, the one and only. Uh, <laughs> I want to. I forgot the person I put up there. <laughs> oh my goodness! What am I gonna do? Let me let me do this quickly. Let's go to Spotify with the podcasters, the episodes, and we're there soon. We put up. So far, uh, yeah, we did John Davidson. We've done Steve, Steve Allen, Milton Burrows up there. Jerry, We just finished Jerry Springer, episode 72, and he's already got over 153 views. So check that out on YouTube. It's up there right now because next time we're going to put up there Harry Belafonte, who just passed away just a few years ago. So he'll be next on episode 73 on the YouTube channel. Don't forget, of course, Spotify is up there as well. We are doing fantastic. And don't forget our first show of the Queens New Yorker of 2024 will be tomorrow, where we'll be looking at our episode 246, with a look at WNBC TV Channel 4. We're doing the, the TV stations of New York, and that's going to be big. It's a huge success right now, so we're doing fantastic. We just wrapped up the two parts of CBS Channel 2. So we'll see you tomorrow for the first show of 2024 with episode 246 of the Queens New Yorker. I'm Jason Acanio. I wish all of you a happy and healthy new year ahead, and we'll see you next year, next week, on The Legacy of Queens. Good night. Mm -hmm.